0: This is the Empowered Athlete Podcast, hosted by yours truly, the one and only Natty Boss, lifelong athlete, sports dietitian, breathwork facilitator, personal development junkie, and holistic performance coach. This podcast is here to change the paradigm of what it means to be a high-performance athlete. The intention and mission of this podcast is to help you create freedom, clarity, and balance in your life while giving you the tools to heal yourself, improve your well-being, and optimize performance. I believe that in order to reach our highest potential in this human experience, we must unlearn and let go of everything we've been conditioned to believe about ourselves and the world so that we can truly tap into what our divine path is and have the courage to pursue the curriculum of our soul. It's my hope that after every episode, you feel activated and empowered to make change in your life that supports you in operating from a place of alignment of who you are meant to be. Get ready for major shifts and transformation. It's time to dive in. What's up guys. Welcome back to the empowered athlete podcast. It's your host, Natty boss. I am so excited to bring you today's episode. We have an incredible guest Mr. Mindset Mike from Wrestling Mindset. He has a long rap sheet that I'm going to go into to introduce you. But first, I want to always give a shout out to Body by Boss, my holistic wellness company that empowers athletes to optimize their health, their performance, their mindset, become their best self in mind, body and spirit. And I really believe that the conversation we're going to have today is going to be really in line with what we do, which is why I wanted to have him on here. So he is based out of currently Houston, Texas. He Mm -hmm. worked primarily with mental performance for athletes. And you guys know by now that I'm obsessed with mindset, rewiring subconscious patterns and beliefs in order to become your best self. And he has so much expertise in this. I'm so excited for you guys to take away all of his wisdom. He's served in the FBI for seven years, which is amazing. Thank you for your service in that. Thank you. He's a certified crisis negotiator, which I found was really just an awesome piece of your background. I think that's really, really cool to have. Not everyone has that. And he's a D1 wrestler. He's the head wrestling coach at Without Limits Wrestling from 2013 to 2022. So are you currently the coach as well?
1: I just stepped away this year to kind of focus on my business.
0: Okay. All right. Awesome. He's a mindset coach to hundreds of top-ranked athletes in teams in professional sports, in high schools, in colleges. He's coached 100-plus state placers, 50-plus All-Americans, and nine national champions since 2013. He's a featured speaker at 150-plus coaching clinics, universities, and businesses. He has four collegiate team, one national titles, which is incredible, 15 high school state champions or championships, 11 athletes and teams ranked number one in the us and the world within 2021 2022 and he is lastly but not least recognized by espn ufc media joe rogan and ariel helwani so welcome mike to happy to be here Yeah. so of course as always we want to know a little bit about your background what kind of got you to what you're doing so what's your story what led you to do what you're doing today
1: for sure. Uh, first of all, I, I apologize for my bare background. I'm selling my house. So this is my stage podcast room, not covered <laughs> in the normal things that I would normally point and say, talk to different parts of my background because they're on my wall. So ultimately what led me to be here today. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. I, like, like we talked about off the air, you know, we followed each other for a while. So glad that we could hop on camera together. What got me here today was uh, I was a wrestler my whole life. I, I played every sport, but wrestling primarily wrestled my whole life, wrestled through a division one level in college on a top 10 team. And then uh, I graduated, started coaching. When I was in the FBI, I got a transfer to Houston, opened up a wrestling academy, right? When I opened up a wrestling academy the second year, I had 13 kids in the state finals, nine should have won, but five just kind of crapped the bed. And there was just no reason, like, you know, they physically, mentally, technically very well coached. They knew this, This is what showed up. Like there was nothing that I could have done to change that situation. And, you know, the background that I have and, you know, crisis negotiation, D1 wrestling experience, psychology minor, things like that, like scratching my head. I'm like, you know, I've been there, done that. I gave them the right advice. Where was the gap? Right. And because I was thinking to myself, if I'm going to coach, that was my passion. Like if I'm going to coach and run an academy, I thought I was going to leave the FBI to run the academy full time. Like, if I'm going to do this, I can't just hope that an athlete shows up and performs to the best of their ability. I was like, I'm not going to put in a year's worth of work to peak for an event. And then you just decide to not punch the clock to work that day. Yeah. So I sought out resources in 2013 ish uh, and found wrestling mindset as a client. So I utilized the wrestling mindset for my club team, saw drastic results, really understood what they were doing. They're like, Hey, we'd love for you to coach for, with us. Um, I was one of the original seven coaches in the company. So now we have 80 coaches and 4,000 clients a year. Wow. Very large operation, but You're back then OG. I, I am the literal OG. <laughs> I am I'm a literal OG. So um, you know, I, I was one of the original guys and I really liked it. I found myself being like at my desk at the FBI, thinking about that, like that, that business, right? Like how do I make that business better? Like, how do I grow? I, just, I believe in it so much. S- sports psych was always a passion of mine. It just was never something that was like a career that you could pursue 20 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, as I'm like graduating high school and college and stuff. So, you know, fast forward Two years later, I ended up leaving the FBI to be a director in the company full-time. You know, the company started taking off. I knew that if I was going to if I went full-time, I could really help take the company to the next level. And we did. So since then, we grew from about 150 clients to, like I said, about 4,000 a year. And my role is I get to be the main, one of the main guys to travel and speak around the country. And I work with a lot of the like top tier, uh, clientele. So last year, uh, one of the statistics you mentioned technically correct, but the, I had 11 individuals or team beat the number one person in the country or the world. I oh, think gosh. most of them ended up being number one, but I had 11 people or teams beat number one, three of which were unranked, right? Oh, wow. So like that, my, my niche has become like top tier athletes. I, I worked with two UFC champions last year, uh, a Bellator champion, four Jiu-Jitsu world champions. You know, I work with a lot of those. Um, I'm also the guy that people look to to pull the big upset. So uh, nice. I, I I had three college teams win a national title that weren't supposed to, had uh, a kid that was unseated, unranked, beat the number one person in the country. And probably in Jiu-Jitsu, the biggest, um, I, I know you were in the Jiu-Jitsu community quite a bit with your school and such, uh, probably the biggest, Things that I, I i've been involved with the jiu-jitsu community was um i worked with amanda levy when she beat gabby garcia yes yeah so that was like such i the coolest thing about that was less of beating gabby more like what that did for women like across yeah. the planet you know oh, the empowerment yeah empowerment that that gave her and then uh, currently i'm working with kendall rusing to get her ready for adcc
0: so cool so amazing yeah, yeah. So I got goosebumps in in sharing all of that. It's just so incredible.
1: Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been pretty cool. So this is, uh, I, I definitely was in my dream job in the FBI and I left my dream job for my passion. This is definitely what I'm passionate about. Um, As good as I was, I feel like I'm even better doing this. Uh, I feel like it brings all those skills together. So yeah, I I love my job. I, I travel a lot for work and, I get to help people reach dreams that they didn't think that they could. And obviously that's something that I know you do as well. So super cool to share the mic with somebody with a, you know, common, common passion for what we do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that actually, one of the things you had mentioned right there, I wanted to kind of speak to, I'm curious. It's, it's awesome. First of all, you're in the 1% of having a dream job and then also pursuing your passion. That doesn't usually happen right. for people where they are able to do that and have that, that everybody has that choice, but they're just not in that position. But I'm really curious, did any of your FBI training or experience influence any of the mindset work that you do?
1: hundred percent. So uh, I would say some of the training definitely has, you know, like, think about it as, as a crisis negotiator. That's a better word for a hostage negotiator. Yeah. So as a hostage negotiator, my ability to communicate to difficult people Uh, that was, I was always good at that, that I kind of learned tactical ways to do that. So communicating with high level athletes, communicating during adversity scenarios, that's been really helpful for me, uh, on the tactical side, just general communication strategies and skills, um, on the relationship side, I, I would say one, it establishes a lot of credibility with very high level people, right? Like I wasn't a UFC champion, but they weren't in the FBI. Right. So like, I would say it definitely gives me that's a a different level of credibility, but it also helps me compare, you know, a lot of us as athletes, let's take in combat sports. We're so worried about like making a mistake. Like, Oh, what if I do the wrong thing? Like in jujitsu, how many people do you know work hard all year to go to like Pan Ams and lose first round on an advantage? Oh yeah. (laughs) Because (laughs) they're so, they're so afraid to make a mistake. So I could relate to them. I'm like, listen, I get it. Right. But like, if I made a mistake in my job, like someone died, I blew a case like that's yeah. real pressure. And, yeah. and and I had to learn how to deal with that by doing X, Y, and Z. You get to participate in this sport. You choose to, it's not life or death. So if you're going to choose to compete, choose to be excited. So give, Giving that like extreme frame of reference from my own perspective yeah, yeah. of like all these times where like, you think that's pressure? This is pressure. Someone yeah. dies if I make a mistake, if I say that's the right. wrong word. So I would say the tactical and also... The, uh, the, the the credibility that allows, you know, if I drop those three letters, everyone focuses. You know yeah. what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you said, and I know you have a post on it too. It's something that I literally preach about all the time, but you just mentioned it in your language. Um, and it was just like an organic part of your speech, which is really nice. But you had mentioned something of, you said you get to, right. And that's something that the athletes, I really try to instill in athletes. It's not that you like have to. But you get to and in that choice there's a responsibility that you're choosing to then follow you want to like speak to that little shift sure world? that's like huge yeah. language that makes a big difference
1: 100 so i would say the number one contributor to my like next level success has been learning to weaponize gratitude uh gratitude we talk about it a lot but gratitude very much is a it's the number one performance enhancing drug beyond steroids right like there is nothing that enhances performance when you use to learn the chemicals that go behind uh, uh, practicing gratitude and having gratitude as your dominant attitude. So people can say those things and it looks real sexy for the Instagram post. I know which <laughs> one you're talking about where it says I, I I have to and I crossed it out and said yeah yeah. yeah So uh, I, I'm actually making T-shirts with that exact with, with that exact graphic by the way. So I'll make sure to save you one. Yes. Uh so. In the, in the middle of my, in the beginning of my career, I was like, okay, I know I'm good. Our system is good. Who's the best right now? Who mindset-wise is the best on the planet, at what they do. And I saw, so I looked at Penn State wrestling. At the time they had won seven out of eight straight national titles and in dominant fashion. Uh, currently they've won eight out of 10 in a row, including COVID years where it was canceled. They're 45 and five in the semis, right? Wow. Think about that. Like that's an, un, that's unthinkable. So they were voted best college team of the decade, more than Alabama football, Clemson football, all that stuff. Why does, why do they believe gratitude is the mental edge of that team? Well, uh, I'll give a couple things. They, you know, ultimately you choose to wrestle, you choose to fight, you choose to compete. So if you choose to compete, then choose to be excited, right? Like choose that. Like this is a choice that you're making. So you said like uh, you have, what's the word that you use? You have a responsibility, yeah. um, right? So like you have a responsibility to fill X, Y, and Z, right? But it's also a privilege. Like yeah. you don't have to. So If you yeah. choose to, then choose to be excited. No one, no, choose to be thankful for the opportunity that you've been given especially as an adult, right? Most people have day jobs that do jujitsu and, uh, or, or or like they're in careers like us where we're in this, we have a full-time career in it. We can go back to work and punch a nine to five, but we chose to do this. So the moral of the story is that like when people realize that, you know, I get to do this, I don't have to do this. That shifts the, the focus from obligation to opportunity. Oh, right. yes. This is what I love. Shifting yeah. that obligation. Yes. Yeah. So you have to die. You have to pay taxes. Uh, you, you have to do your homework. Um, those are things you have to do. They all make you feel well, right? Like no one wants, no one looks forward to doing any of those things. Right. Um, but you get to go on vacation. You get to go to college. If you so choose, you get to compete in the world championships. You get to do all these things. It's a choice that you make. So, when all of a sudden emotions start going in different directions, like, remember, wait, pause. Like, I don't have to be here so I can leave or I can choose the emotions that I wanna use. So when gratitude's your dominant attitude, not to give away all the secrets, but there's a lot of brain chemistry behind that. And when you watch Penn State compete, people will say, man, those guys have a lot of fun. They take a lot of chances. They score a lot of points. Well, for them, wrestling is a vehicle to glorify God with the gifts that he gave them. Now you don't have to be religious to be successful, but wrestling is an opportunity for them to fulfill a purpose bigger than themselves Mm. that is not connected to outcome. So every time they step on the mat, they are thankful for the opportunity to compete. Mm. So teaching athletes that like, yo, you get to train. You don't have to train. No one's making you be here. Your coach yells at you, cancel your membership. Yeah, Like you don't have to be here. You chose to be here. So choose to make the most of it. You get to, you get to train, you get to compete. So the bigger the match, most people feel the more the pressure, yeah. but the bigger the match, the bigger, the opportunity, like you earned this shit. Yeah. Right. Like, like this is what you wanted. You trained for a year to go to Pan Ams yeah. to make the finals. Why are you going to waste the energy being nervous that you might mess it up?
0: Yes. I love that. And that kind of seems like a, a nice segue into, of course, don't divulge all of your secrets, but in your method with working with athletes, how do you, like maybe what are some things that you do to prepare them mentally for battle? It seems like that focus on gratitude and language is a big one.
1: Mm-hmm. What are so, the
0: things that you Yeah,
1: yeah I on? think there's like, there's a, there's a, a couple of facets. I talk about, I, I posted about the other day. I feel like at a core level, we have to be in alignment and different coaches probably have different things that you gotta be aligned with, depending on the niche that you're working with, whatever. and. I feel like in in anything across all industries, you have to be connected with your purpose, what you love and a plan to get better. Like, well, pause in sports. Yeah. why, Why are you competing? Why are you training? What you love about your sport, what you love about training, right? And then your plan to get better. Your why, your what, your how, your purpose, your passion, your path. If those three things like work together, you don't burn out and you maximize potential. Yeah. When those three things are not connected, that's typically when we get burnt out. We get frustrated. We don't progress, right? Some people yeah. know why they started, but they're like, "Oh, my God, I got to go to training today. Oh, my God, I got to go do this." And like, they lost sight with what they fell in love with jujitsu and MMA and wrestling in the first place, right? Yeah. So you remember why you started, but like, you lost sight of what you like about it. Things became monotonous. Things became frustrating, right? Yeah. On the flip side, maybe you know what you love, but like, it's getting you know you're. Pause. I I would say even more than what you love, people lose connection with their why, right? Marriage, business, work. When you know why you're doing something, you'll always figure out how. One hundred. I, I didn't quote that. That's Frederick Nietzsche. For those those <laughs> that want to yell at me saying that I'm stealing Stoicism, but um, <laughs> but the the idea is that like when your why is intimately connected with what you love, like the things that you love, even on bad days, you push through, even in tough matches, you find a way, even in tough parts of your marriage, tough times in your business, like you figure it out. I say a lot of people have those, like get those two down. What a lot of people struggle with is like having an articulable plan to get better. Yeah. I see in combat sports, people outwork everyone, like embrace the grind and like, that's great, but you're running a race with your head down without a meticulous way to evaluate how well you're doing and getting better. Yeah. So I would say people have one of those three. If they have three of them, they're in their peak level of performance. So at a foundational level, be in alignment. The next step is like teaching them processes on how to manage the way that they think and feel, and then giving them peak performance tools to kind of like stay in that zone. Yeah. Uh, I related a lot to driving. I got to teach you how to drive. Then I got to teach you what what are the lines in your road, right? So if you know, if your hands are a 10 and two, you're focused on the right things, right? You see the lanes in the road, right? It's going to be hard for you to get into an accident because you know exactly where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Then I could teach you tools, right? That help you stay in that lane. So think of a car. A car has accident prevention. You start getting too close to the vehicle in front of you, it slows down. You yeah. swerve to the other side; it beeps. Yeah, so kind of hard to get into a wreck. So you teach you, you make sure somebody is like aligned with with those three important things. You teach them this, like you know, our core set of skills. Add in there how to weaponize gratitude and treat everything like an opportunity. Be more opportunity oriented. Those okay. are kind of some of the structures to uh, what I feel like helps my clients do some pretty cool stuff.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's that's so so good. And one of the things that you kind of spoke to that was kind of, again, these keep segueing into what I wanted to speak to, which is perfect. This idea of when you have this alignment, it allows for that discipline to become easier. I'd love for you to speak a little bit on your thoughts and insights on the whole, not controversy, but maybe conversation that people always have around like motivation versus discipline you yeah. know, huge when it comes to that discipline. And I do think that it's easier to develop discipline when you are in alignment because everything is matched up and yeah. there's less resistance in being able to follow through. It's a thing you want to do because it feels good and you're everything, you know, you're aligning your skills with your purpose, with what you feel is good. So it's really not hard to create those habits. It's only when that, that's all out of alignment that of course there's resistance in actually being disciplined. But what are your thoughts on that whole philosophy of motivation versus discipline?
1: Yeah. Resistance is a great word to use, uh, because when you're out of that alignment, that's what you'll get. You'll get a lot of resistance. Like, you know, the, your, your, your life is not meshing correctly. So, you know, there's, there will be a lot of habits and feelings and attitudes and people that pull you away. Uh, not to segue, but one thing I do say is that like, when you figure out what your why is like, you gotta also figure out who is driving you and what is driving you away from it. Speaking of resistance everyone can identify what the why is, but who are the people and the habits that are pulling you away from it? Right? So going back to what you said, when those things are in alignment, you have less resistance. Everyone in like America, especially these days relies on motivation and motivation is very shallow. Motivation should like, should be the music you, you listen to on the way to the gym. Motivation should be like, the picture that you see when you wake up that reminds you to be a badass that day. Motivation should be, you know, like those sort of things. But motivation is shallow. Like you use the word discipline. I think that's a great word. Um, I think of commitment too. Like you like you can either be motivated or committed. Committed is what, you know, You, I'm sure you've heard the saying is that like when motivation is gone, commitment stays. Because motivation yeah. will ebbs and flows. There will be de- committed people will work just as hard in the days they don't feel like it. Motivated people will only work hard on the days that they feel like it. So yeah. you could be committed, but also I, I would say that like there's motivation, there's commitment and there's discipline. Motivation and I think that like a commitment and discipline fall into the same category, but I feel like discipline is what keeps your commitment. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like you're motivated or you're committed, right? What is it? Is it? like I'm gonna do my goal no matter what, or I feel like I'm in a good mood today, I'm gonna work hard. Right, yeah. so I'm committed to this, the the discipline is the is the bridge that is the uh, discipline bridges the gap between motivation and commitment. So like yeah. Jocko says, like discipline equals freedom. Right, so you know when you're in alignment and you have these disciplined habits, everything's moving in the right direction with minimal resistance. Right, it's almost hard for you not to achieve your goals, but people people rely on this consistent motivation, which is why they're always scrolling on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and listening to all these books and podcasts and all these things like that should be for enrichment, not inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, so I agree with you, uh, in the sense of like, I think m- motivation is definitely important. You have to be motivated, but commitment and discipline is what carries you through. And, and I'll say too, um, I feel like, I don't know about you. I think David Goggins is awesome. His story is amazing, but like that's the, like, like, like that, like, stay, be hard, be tough, like that overly like motivated, like sort of thing. That's what America gets drawn to. People yeah. don't get as excited to listen to Jocko,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: Com- 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 comparatively speaking, like, discipline sucks. 100%. This one sucks. Like, That's why no one... it's so
0: important to have that vision for yourself and that why, because the more deeply rooted you are connected to that, it's like you're willing to put in and feel the suck because you know what you're working towards. Like you said, that greater purpose, that a bigger thing that you're connected to, whether you're religious or not, you know that you know it's just easier to commit to because there's something greater than yourself.
1: Yeah. So like you know maybe maybe it's not religion and. I had to learn how to teach you with that religion. Cause obviously not, not everybody's religious. Right. Yeah. So like it's, it's legacy, it's making people proud. It's love of the sport. It's, you know, paving the way for future people behind me, well, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. So, you know, that's strong. Why like everyone thinks of goal setting, but they don't think of why, right? Like everyone wants to write these goals on a piece of paper, but they have no why and they have no plan. They just write these goals and then I'm going to work really hard Hard work will carry me through. Hard work is like bragging about working hard. That's the equivalent of bragging about not getting arrested. Like, you're supposed to do that shit. Yes, yes, snaps you know, for that, like,
0: snaps for that.
1: Yeah, like, like you're, you're, you're supposed to do that shit. And so like, I think to people all the time, like, you know, they talk about these big goals and they're gonna work hard to them. I'm like, that's cool. So if you had 10 grand and I'm an investor, and you came to me with $10,000 and they're like, all right, Mike, what's your strategy to get me to my goals? Well, I'm going to work really hard and we're going to figure it out
0: yeah, and yeah. Uh,
1: hard work's going to get us. So you're not going to invest your money. So <laughs> yeah. if you're not going to invest your money in me because hard work doesn't going to cut it, then don't rely on hard work. Have a clear why and a plan of where you're going to go. Your love of whatever it is keeps you there. It keeps you present, but the why begins with the end in mind, right? And that plan, right? Is what gets you there.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. One of the other words that came through for me that I think, for me, goes hand in hand with commitment, and maybe you can agree or not. And uh, is dedication.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, dedication, like, kind of came through with like commitment. Like, you know, you're you're dedicated. Again, it's like a um,
1: almost a devotion. Mm-hmm. It's almost like devotion. I think That's those are all great synonyms. It. Yeah. I think you might like committed. I might, uh, uh, I might like committed. You like disciplined, devoted um like all, all of those things i think they accomplish the same thing i think they they're all they're all what what bridges the gap between like you know being motivated and getting to where you want to be
0: yeah and there's something that i talk about a lot that i'm curious your thoughts on and your perspective so and this was again as always kind of something i learned through my own experience where when it came to discipline or commitment or whatever it was I kind of viewed it from like these two pathways that you can take. The first is like, uh, I call it like discipline through willpower and discipline through self-love mm-hmm. and me, the difference between will, uh, with willpower is more like ego-based. So it's more ego driven. It's more like push yourself. It's not that you don't want to show up on days where you're not motivated, but it's like ignoring your body. It's like pushing yourself to the point of ignoring all the signs that maybe you're out of alignment or things like that it's just pushing because you feel like you have to that obligatory right. energy right it's like that self-loving discipline where it's like you're still being disciplined but you're doing so in a way that honors your body and honors your well i think that's
1: devotion so like when you said devotion before i thought of discipline with with passion behind it yeah i, I think discipline we could be disciplined and eat chicken and rice every day but you don't yeah. love chicken and rice every day but we're disciplined we're gonna do it but you're devoted in the sense of like, you know, when you were, not to interrupt you, but when you're devoted, like that level of passion comes behind it. So I'm sorry, continue.
0: No, no, that was all I was gonna say. So like your thoughts on like that, those two pathways. Cause I, my whole kind of, I was an athlete my whole life. So kind of the whole first half of that has always been through willpower. Like just showing up and push and that hustle grind culture of do, do, do. And then I kind of shifted into finding more of that balance, more of that flow through realizing that I don't have to sacrifice my well-being in pursuit of my performance.
1: Yeah. hundred percent.
0: That's where I shifted that, like still showing up for myself and still putting in the goddamn work and going hard. But I'm also considering the other factors of being human.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that's where like, you know, having a strong connection with the things that you love about what you're doing comes in line. Like, uh, all of us can be disciplined. We can be committed to something. Um, but like having balance, I think is where there's love and fun. So maybe not just passion, but like passion. I think like what you love and what is fun is usually like one of the same, right? You, what do you enjoy having a sense of enjoyment? So when I worked with Wei Li, the biggest thing that like ESPN and I talked about when she fought Rose the second time was like, she had a loss of purpose. She felt like she had to fight she felt like she had to train four times a day. Like, like China's counting on me. I'm the biggest athlete in China. Like all, you know, women's Chinese MMA anchors on me. And now I lost and I'm so ashamed and I have to do all these things. And she had such a loss of purpose. She would show up to training and just, she would be a robot and work hard, but I'm like, you're not getting a lot out of it. Like you're doing your reps, but like, you're not present. And, um, I don't know how much you pay attention to her, but if you notice, In fights previous to that one with Rose to today, that girl cannot stop smiling. Like she's just so much passion and purpose. She works just as hard, if not harder, except she has this level of like fun and excitement behind it. And again, you know, gratitude is is a big part of that. Like when you're thankful, like, and you appreciate things, like you enjoy things more, right? Like the example I give a lot is, if I get to go to Miami and it rains, am I going to complain that it rains or be excited that I'm in Miami? Like I'm in Houston. It's hot as shit. Like <laughs> I would much rather be in Miami raining than in Houston, sunny. Right. So yes, I would have loved to go to the beach, but I'm excited that I get to be in Miami let me go get a mojito. Let me go go here. Let me go there. You know, that, that comes naturally to most of us people. So for others, when they insert fun on purpose, then they're The level of fulfillment, like dramatically fun and love their fulfillment increases. What used to be seen as a sacrifice is now seen as an investment.
0: Yes. I'm yeah.
1: sacrificing good food versus I'm investing in a healthy lifestyle. I'm yeah. sacrificing my time versus I'm investing in my craft because that again, like the, the fulfillment is what misses between those. Like, I don't feel fulfilled. I have to do this. I'm going to do it, whatever. Yeah. It sucks. You know
0: what I mean? 100%. That's amazing. I love that so much. So I wanted to ask you your thoughts on, I I would assume that you're a pretty tough dude. And so what's your thoughts or your definition of mental toughness? And do you believe it's an innate quality or something that can be developed over time?
1: Great, great, great uh, question. So I think 90% of people, pause. I think 10% of people are born into unique circumstances where either their life, like they're surrounded by such high level people that they have this like elevated level. I'm gonna rephrase one more time. A small percentage of people come out of the womb, tough as shit, (laughs) They, they are built that way. Another small percent of people are raised in very unique environments. Like in wrestling, I think of like, the Sanderson family from Penn state, I think of like the Smith family from Oklahoma state, like you're raised in this like high level environment where even if you weren't born with it, like, Holy cow, like you, you will become something because of your surroundings.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: like yeah. The 90% of us, we're a product of our circumstances and those around us. Yeah. So, you know, some varying different levels. Uh, I absolutely think that you can, uh, you can teach mental toughness. Uh, I would say my definition of toughness is like, there's a hundred different ways that you can split it, but it comes down to really two things being comfortable while you're uncomfortable and, and discipline toughness is I, people equate them as like two different things. Being mentally tough is discipline. Being disciplined is toughness. The difference is my opinion of mental toughness is emotional discipline.
0: Mm. Like I don't
1: like, I like emotional discipline, emotional control. That's there's physical mental toughness. And then there's, there's true mental toughness, right? Like I could push past fatigue and discomfort uh, versus mental toughness is I don't let my circumstances, like I am a, I'm a, uh, uh, what's the word? Like creator? No, I'm trying to think of the, the example it's like i'm a thermostat or a thermometer oh I'm oh my goodness
0: the upper limit problem this is my favorite thing to teach yes
1: yeah For so the like that i i control the situation not the situation controls me so that's what like, i believe like emotional control in one part and then being comfortable while you're uncomfortable they both they're not mutually exclusive they're both the same thing it can absolutely be taught um i'm sorry hyperfly but you absolutely can teach heart as well uh I know that you guys have all those stickers, and I bought one. And then I became a mindset coach and realized that you 100% can teach heart. Uh, question for a uh, question for another time, but yeah, I think that's really where, where where toughness comes. The the confusion is that toughness is solely rooted in the grind. Toughness is rooted in yeah. just only doing hard things.
0: It's
1: a like you. One of the things I do with clients, we do a 30 day mental toughness challenge. It's essentially 30 days of doing things you don't want to do when you don't want to do it when and where you don't want it done. Yeah. That's all it is. Like if you hate apples, eat an apple on purpose and don't complain about it. You hate cold showers.
0: I do this all the time.
1: And what are some ways you do it?
0: I do with them myself. Like I had the biggest fear of ice baths and that's why I was like, it's the number one thing I have to do.
1: Oh, I see you post about that stuff. I didn't know you actually hated doing those. Wow.
0: I had like PTSD around it because I did a Spartan (laughs) race years ago and the first obstacle was to jump in it was like six, it was like 50 degrees in o- late October, freezing oh outside God. with windy, windy, windy up in like Westchester area. It was already freezing at like seven in the morning. And then our first obstacle was to jump in like this deep ice bath, my first time ever. And you had to duck your head under a plank of like glass. So you had to swim underneath something, completely be soaked. And I just remember that sensation, like of feeling like I was going to die. And I didn't realize... Years later, that like I had PTSD around that because yeah. I was like, I literally felt like I was going to die. So yeah. I, I noticed because I always hated being cold. But then when I went to go do these things, it's like, I really want to, you know, try something different for my recovery practices. And this is something that has so much research in it. I want to try it. But I was so scared. There was so much fear. And I was like, well, more than using it for recovery, this is what's going, this is really what's going to be. The edge is like to overcome the fear of this.
1: If I could do this, I could do anything.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, that's funny. It's uh, so I I I tell people, you know, like you could be tough doing physical things like exercise you don't want or super hard stuff. You could be tough doing sport specific things. So do an extra seven minutes of stance motion after training. You could be tough in social settings. Uh, talk to strangers if you don't like it. Like. Uh, If you're a student, like raise your hand for every single class, Uh, talk to a complete stranger, whatever. Um, You could also be tough in lifestyle things. Don't hit the snooze button. Um, Take a cold shower. I think one of the most awful things that I've made some of my tougher clients do to challenge themselves, um, as soon as the alarm goes off, feet to the floor, you have 30 seconds to be in the shower in an ice bath, in a a, uh, ice shower. And you have to stay there for the length of one MMA round.
0: Oh my gosh. That is definitely tough.
1: So like feet to the floor is a lot tougher than people think. Like, I don't know about you. I'm not a morning person. So I'll wake up, but I'm like, ah, oh, just you know, a couple more minutes. Like I'm you know, whatever. <laughs> like it is not easy. If you're not a morning person, it's just feet to the floor. And if you go to the floor, you have to consciously say F it. I'm going back to sleep. At that point, feet are to the floor. You're already halfway out of the bed, right? And then you're, you're not even awake and you have to do the most miserable thing. Like everyone talks about like eat the frog or whatever, yeah, 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 right? Like I can't think of, I would rather you kick me in the balls in the morning than go in a five minute cold shower within 30 seconds of me waking up.
0: Good. Yeah, I am an extreme morning person. I'm that person. Like it's actually, I don't know if you ever saw the, the kids game don't wake daddy or something.
1: Oh but my the God. Dad, yeah.
0: like the, the guy jumps out of bed. That's basically me. Like I wake up with like, like I had two cup like two cups, two pots of coffee. And I'm just like ready to go. <laughs> so like, that is definitely, and it's true too. You could, because as soon as you put your feet on the ground, you really have to make a conscious decision to be like, well, am I going to lie back in bed? Like, or am I up? Like that's a choice I have to make. And mm-hmm. then, yeah. So that's beautiful.
1: If you make a choice that hard in the morning, a choice that hard when you're awake like six hours later is not going to be as hard it's not going to be as difficult
0: mm-hmm. beautiful point beautiful point
1: yeah and i think too and again without giving away too many secrets a big a big part of of weaponizing gratitude comes down to the dopamine that gets produced in your brain gratitude is yeah. the most dopamine inducing thing activity that you can do so when gratitude is your dominant attitude you're overflowing with dopamine so when people talk about practicing gratitude People are like, oh yeah, I'm thankful for like my family and my friends and my and my shelter and my food. Like, no, dude, like what genuinely, like what are you grateful for today? Today, professor stayed 20 minutes after and did this. I'm grateful that I got to work early. Uh, my boss brought like our favorite donuts, like w- whatever. Yeah. Point being is that when you start your morning off, when your morning routine includes intentional practices of gratitude, okay? Let, let's pair that up with what you just did. The dopamine and the endorphins produced from that, you can conquer pretty much anything at yeah, that yeah. point.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. That's so That's so good. So good. So the next question I want to ask you is really just what do you believe separates the mediocre athletes from the extraordinary athletes? And maybe even alongside the next part of that question is like in regard to do you is there a difference as well in regard to winning one time like world championship versus sustaining that win?
1: Yeah. Way harder to get to the top, way harder to stay at the top than it is to get to the top. Yeah. So I know for me, a lot of the clients that I work with, um, they're either like right on that bubble or like a lot of teams. There's one team I work with who has genuinely uh, not genuinely, they've won eight straight state titles. How how do they keep winning? They need an edge,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Like that's what they're looking for is that edge. So there is a difference between winning once and continuing to win because when you went on the way to winning, you're 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 jumping inches and in feet, like you're 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 making inches and in feet for gains. When you're up top, you're putting in the same amount of work to gain millimeters.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So that's where you have to learn to get smarter, not work harder. That's where. We feel like mindset training is such an edge versus, like, uh, how do I say it? Mindset training is such an edge at the top tier because everyone's talented, everyone works hard, everyone's good, everyone's got good coaches. What are you doing different? So, like, the idea is through mindset, like, when you show up, like, do, doing mindset training, I should train you that when you show up, you show out. I'm trying to help you create the best version of you, not help you win a title fight. So, I'm working with a girl who's uh, uh, she's training for the Invicta world title. And I was, we had our, one of our first sessions today and I was telling her, I was like, my job is not for you to win. I just want to make that clear. My job is for you to on a daily basis between now and the seven weeks of the fight, to the absolute most of yourself. So the best version of you shows up that night and throughout the fight from start to finish, the best version of you shows up because the best version of you should be better than anyone that you fight because you have an edge and a training and a level of emotional control that they don't, okay? Yeah. Going back to what you said though, I think that it is much harder to maintain that level of, of success. And Amanda Nunez is a great example. You saw her, Ronda Rousey, Joanna, Connor, they all got a little complacent. They got used to winning. Amanda yeah. being the obvious like example, Amanda got genuinely complacent. I know she was sick. I know she was hurt. Like she definitely overlooked Juliana the first time. Um, She took a fight after COVID and to hurt knees. If she was not complacent, she wouldn't have done that. She thought she was going to run through her. Right. So you get somebody that's a little bit of complacent. You have to work harder to stay at the top than the ridiculous amount of work that you did to get there. Yeah. And that's why a lot of champions don't stay. And Teams, the reason why champions stay is, in my opinion, because of culture, right? 100%. That culture, that culture is what keeps them winning. So I had a team that I work with. Uh, so the NCAA championship trophy that's behind me, uh, that's Rochester Institute of Technology. They won the last two years in Division Three lacrosse men's national title. Uh, they made the finals three times before, but they never won. Culture got them to the championship culture, kept them in the top five mindset was the edge that allowed them to win in double overtime. Mindset was the edge that allowed them to come back from a five down five goals in the first quarter of the national championship against the team that usually beat by 10 points, right? Like mindset was the mindset was the difference maker, but culture is what got them there. And now that they have that mindset culture is what's going to keep them there.
0: Mm, That's so beautiful. I love that. So kind of speaking to mindset, what are maybe the the top mindset blocks you notice working with athletes?
1: Hmm. Fear failure. Uh, Definitely. Number one, Um, fear failure, making mistakes. And what that leads to is not pulling the trigger and being cautious and hesitant. People think of those three things separately. They're usually connected. So I'm afraid to lose for numerous reasons, right? So I don't want to make a mistake. I think I have to win. So I feel like I can't make mistakes. So I compete cautious and hesitant. I try to not get scored on instead of scoring points. So I don't pull the trigger versus I'm excited to compete, right? I feel like I get to be aggressive, right? I'm going to try to score as many points and I'm not worried about the outcome. I'm focused on competing hard. Yeah. Right. But like, I would say the biggest one fear of failure, second one, um, like I said, like not pulling the trigger and then like the other one being cautious and hesitant, but they're all like, they're all similar things that are connected. I'm trying to think of another one, uh, lack of confidence, lack of confidence for sure. Uh, people feel like they have to have already achieved it to believe they could do it.
0: Mm. It Like a jujitsu athlete. So many of the world record-breaking things, like people don't, achieve until you do it
1: uh think of a winning an ivjjf tournament let's say somebody habitually medals but never wins they don't believe that they can win till they do and then all of a sudden they do and they win all the time right um you know the story of the four minute mile right
0: yeah that's exactly what i was thinking of
1: yeah i figured right like you know so for those of you that don't know that are listening uh everyone tried to run a four minute mile but nobody could so nobody did then all of a sudden somebody ran a four minute mile and everybody breaks a four minute mile all the time. So it wasn't possible until somebody did. So I always tell people, you don't have to be confident to achieve your goals. Confidence just makes it a lot easier. Confidence is not a requirement to achieve your goals. You don't have to believe deeply in yourself that you can, because you can just do, Yeah. right? You can just do, but confidence makes it a hell of a lot easier to actually get you where you need to be. And the reason I say that, how many hella confident people that we know ultimately don't achieve their goals? Yeah, I know two very confident people that I've worked with in jiu jitsu. They're very confident, but they they don't reach their goals for other reasons because yeah. they're worried about other things that, that 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 hold them back for sure.
0: Yeah, have you ever come into kind of the block around this idea of like the harder you rise, the the bigger the fall. So the goal isn't set as high to prevent themselves from feeling what you said, that fear of failure.
1: So setting like smaller goals so that they don't fall short of them.
0: It's almost like what I experience a lot is like people saying, Oh, it'd be nice to meddle. Like if I meddle, that'd be cool. But even though they would like to win first, but they don't want to put that pressure on themselves or really hold themselves to that standard. So if they meddle, that kind of lessens the blow.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know how to directly answer that, but the where, where, where it brought me to my brain was this. I tell people like, shoot for the moon, hope for the stars. Meaning like, w- we know what that means, but when it comes to meddling, don't say that you want to meddle because then you'll then you'll be okay. So like in wrestling, we have the blood round, mm-hmm. right? Like there's around the place. If you win in the semis, you automatically place. And then the conci semis, if you win, you place, right? So if someone says, I want to meddle, they'll settle with losing in the blood round. If someone says they want to place top, they, they want to make the finals, they'll settle with third or fourth. Right. So it's when I reframe that to people, like it makes them like stretch that extra little bit. It's yeah. like, when, when, if we tell people, all right, guys, you got a minute left, let's go. Right. And then we, we, and the, we don't show them the time. And then all of a sudden we give them a minute 30. Hey, you thought you only had a minute and you. you clearly have more than that.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: In Texas, it's silly. They, uh, to qualify for the state tournament for wrestling, they give you, if you qualify, they they give you a sweatshirt just to make it there. <laughs> Kids just want the sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah. The kid that takes fourth in his region, he's like, ah, man, I'm not good enough to win. I just wanted the sweatshirt, yeah. right? Versus like in New York, like you had to win your region to go to the state tournament. You don't yeah. even get anything yeah. unless like like, You, you got, you got a a bag or jacket to win your region. And then to go to the state tournament, you had to win the go. So here in Texas, kids shoot so low. They're like, oh, I just want to be a district champ. I just want to be, you know, uh, I'm just happy to make it to state. So I see kids that are good, good. They get there and they're like, oh, I already got what I wanted. I wanted my jacket.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, how many times, oh my God, if I could see another, I'm so sorry, I'm going to Apologize for everyone I'm going to, I'm going to offend right now. If I have to see another one of those like man in the arena quotes, when someone like doesn't like, doesn't have the tournament that they want to right and have all these built-in excuses with x-rays and this and that, like, listen, man, like, I get it. I we, we've all felt that same way, but like, we should, we should compete in a way that when we lose, it doesn't require an explanation. Go they're just better. I yeah. did everything that I could. All those BS, like tiger, lion, man, like a um, hungry man in the arena quotes. It's because you know, you didn't give a hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. wouldn't be
1: saying that if you left a hundred percent of you out there and then they just, and then they just, they just beat you. Yeah. Like, ah, I'm disappointed, but like, <clears throat> I couldn't have done anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? And like you see that, you see that like the people, that leave it all out there and then they lose. There's not a 15 page or lion, 15 uh, paragraph post or a lion like hungry (laughs) for the next meal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: No offense to you all. I know you mean well, but come on.
0: (laughs) No, we're here for the real. We got to be real. We got to be real here.
1: I'm here for the real. I like that.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. So um, what do you believe are maybe like the biggest habits or skills that you recommend athletes cultivate in order to become a champion we kind of spoke a little bit to it like the discipline aspect but mm-hmm. is there anything specifically habit wise that you would recommend
1: uh well, I habits make me think of one of my favorite quotes change your habits or change your goals right like either you can change oh, the I goals that. that you want and keep your habits or you could change the habits that you have and keep your goals mm-hmm. right all of us myself included need, need like for the goals that i want there's some habits that i need to change Um, so I will say like, obviously the people that listen to this, they are, you know, they're, we are in the coaching business. Like both of us have coaches, like we are coaches and we have coaches. Right. Um, and those of you that are like, like, like listening to this and interested in what either like myself or like Nally and I do, the reality is that like, you can, how do I say this?
0: Don't worry about hurting anyone's feelings.
1: I was just trying to find the, the, the right way to articulate it. I, I will uh, redirect. So change your habits or 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 change your goals. I call it like habitudes, like habits or attitudes, attitudes or habits and they like influence one or another. And you know, ultimately like if you were gonna say like what are the, you said what are the, n- not the routines, what was the question you asked? The habits? Yeah, yeah, the habits. I think the biggest habit that like people need to do, uh, they need to be intentional. And they need to assess, like you set your intentions for the day, like not just write down on a schedule, like, like have a morning routine, set your intentions for the day, then like have a plan for how you're gonna attack the day and then evaluate what you're going to do. If you spend five minutes in the morning and the evening, like the amount as an athlete that you can get or business person, the amount as an athlete you can get, like set your intentions for the day and the things you need to accomplish. And at the end of the day, right, there's gratitude and things that you can do, but at a bare minimum, like do a, uh, a well, better, how, what did I do? Well, what do I need to do better? What are the things, what am I going to do about it tomorrow? Like as an athlete, like that is being intentional and being evaluative, like someone that assesses themselves, like intentional people, top 10%, one percenters assess. Yeah. John Jones will come off the mat and be like, so Mike, what'd you think of practice? Like, what did I do well? John Jones, Henry Cejudo, like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this, right? Whaley, what do you think about this? Um, most people don't seek that sort of assessment. They work hard and hope that they figure out. So there's casual people, that's yeah. like 90%. They go through the motions. They're motivated by commitment. Top 10, per, like top, like nine, 10%, I would say the top 9%, they're intentional people, right? They have a plan. And then um, uh, like evaluative, like tactical people, they assess every day, which rich people assess all the time, yeah. right? Super successful people assess all the time. How do I do better? How do I do better? How do I do better? So, you know, I, uh, there's a, my daily assessment that I give clients, it says more than 1% better, because if you show up and work hard, that's one penny on the dollar. That's not a lot, right? Like if you got 1% better today, that's one penny on the dollar. Think about this. If you set an intention, that's like maybe 3% better. Doesn't sound like a lot, but if you want to get 1% better in 30 days, if I set intentions, three times 30 is 90. One times 30 is 30. Yeah. Yeah. Big difference, right? If I evaluate every day, let's say I get 5% better, just throwing out numbers, right? So, more than just setting intention, I evaluated what I did and I set a plan up for the next day. That that sort of habit, right? Let's say 5% better, I got 150% better in a 30 day increment. Like, yeah. are you, do you go from a blue belt to a brown belt in 30 days? No, but your skill set got measurably better because you were constantly like in the question of improvement instead of the grind of hard work. You get lost in the grind. I don't know where I'm going, right? Versus I have a turn by turn direction of today I'm getting better at this, tomorrow I'm getting better at that. So that's what I would say is like the biggest habit is like people who set intentions and evaluate.
0: I love that so much. That's hand in hand with everything that I do. Mindfulness, intentionality, which is a lot of why I teach breath work because it helps you get into your body to become more present, become more mindful. That really makes such the biggest difference. I know breath
1: worth is something like, I know, uh, that's something that I wanted to work on too. I know I've seen like Wim Hof and things like that. Um, the amount of, the amount of, uh, physical, psychological, and emotional benefits that like breathworks have is like crazy. So along with like, you know, obviously the ice baths, things like that too. Yeah. Um, you know, the, this, it's such a, It's such an important tool that is underutilized. You know what I see? I see people that use breathwork, no mindfulness. I see people that use mindfulness and no sort of breathwork. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: yeah. No. One hundred percent. Definitely integrating both. And this it also works really well with your emotional regulation that you were talking about. You know, being able to master your emotions comes really like breathwork really supports you in being able to do that because you're able to let the energy move in your body. And instead of it just kind of constraining you and dictating you. So So I have
1: have a question about the statement um, in your body. So a lot of the high level women that I've worked with, I've heard them numerous times talk about like the need to like, yeah, I just, I wasn't felt like I was in my body today or like, yeah, I was moving and I was like, so in my body, How, how would you define that? Like, obviously like they've done it. I have my thoughts. Like when you say someone's in their body, how do you define that?
0: So in their body to me is like this embodied felt sense where you are present to the experience of what's happening internally in your body, as well as the experience of the external. So you are present internally to everything that's going on and you're present externally. You're not missing one or the other. You're not distracted. You're really clear. You're really focused. You're really grounded, but you're also very energized. It's almost like a buoyant feeling. And embodiment really allows you to have all of your senses online, which allows you to be more present and more proactive. And so the, the biggest aspect when it comes to like out of your body, when somebody tells me that it means they're in their mind and when they're in their mind, where they're operating from those fears, those doubts, those old stories and traumas even. And so like the goal is to get you into your body. So you can kind of you know, be present in your body and be able to be more proactive and consciously create your experience. It's impossible to do that when you're just living from the mind.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, there's there, we, there's some techniques that like I use, I wouldn't call them breath work, but involve breathing that definitely do help that. I think uh, like the emotional control, I, uh, one of my pin posts is from Jen uh, Jin Frey, uh, UFC fighter. And she talks about something that I told her called the 15 second rule. You know, we're not so trying I'm to not- win a- yeah. We're not trying to win a five minute, a five minute round or a 15 minute fight. Let's win the next 15 seconds. Dude, so this is
0: what I do when I'm doing. Burpees. Yeah. A like hundred burpees. I'll do like a hundred burpees like a day. And you think I'm thinking about a hundred burpees? No, I'm thinking about, let me get five burpees. And then I'm at five. I'm like, okay, five more. And if I, all of a sudden I do 30 burpees in a row, I'm like, wow, that wasn't even hard. But if I focused on 30 burpees straight, of course, my mind will be trying to tank out I'd be like, oh, we're at 10. We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. But when I break it down into five, all of a sudden we're at 30.
1: So this is essentially how you eliminate the fear of fatigue is uh, twofold. One, if someone's in good shape, you're not tired. You're fatigued. It's very different, right? Like if you're in good shape. You're not tired. And if you're in good shape and they are tired, they're exhausted. You are fatigued. One, two, realizing that like in the moment they, they get afraid of like, what if I gas, what if I gas versus like. let me just give like the next 10, 15 seconds. And let me just give the next 10 to 15 seconds. So like people that get so afraid of getting tired. So they pull back versus like, ultimately, if you're in good shape, push forward and go hard, 10 seconds, 10 burpees, 10 burpees, 10 burpees, 10 seconds. Like in a jujitsu match, you could feel really overwhelmed, slow it down and like win the next 10 seconds, win the next 15 seconds. And then you can manage anything. I get that a lot. People are like, Oh, I'm so afraid to gas. I'm like, Are you in bad shape? No. Do you like need to do extra cardio to make yourself feel better? No, I'm good. Okay, then what are you worried about? That's you 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 buy a Porsche to drive fast. Otherwise, you would have driven a Camry, right? Like like you 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 could drive a Bentley, right? But if you're gonna spend a hundred thousand dollars on a car and you buy a Ferrari, like put your foot on the gas. That's the whole reason of it.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love that so much. And you've given lots of advice, um, that there's, I don't know how much more there is to add, but is there any like last piece of advice that you would want every athlete to know or take away?
1: Yeah. A lot of people say, trust the process. The problem is, is that like, you don't know what the process is. Everyone thinks the process is, um, work hard, get there early, do the extra right. Um, practice gratitude. Everybody hears those things. Realistically, like the process when it comes to the athlete, there's four things that you can outline the process. So if, if outside of the 15 second rule, if you wanna learn like a really good piece of advice and crush the process, right? Or even, even better, you wanna surrender outcomes, focus on the process. Because when you're focused on the process, the outcome doesn't exist. When you're focused on the outcome, the process doesn't exist, right? Our, our, our focus is like this. So when we have this much is focused on outcome, this much is focused on process. So what is the process? Preparation, effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. Like how well we prepare in training and then right before a fight, how well our effort that we give like in training and in the fight, 15 seconds at a time, the attitude that we have coming into the fight and our emotional control within Right. And our aggressiveness are willing to take chances and score points. That's the only shit that we can control. That's your process: preparation, effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. Teaching people how to own and weaponize those things is ultimately like how people can let go of outcomes so that they can focus on the process. So instead of just listening to that quote and hoping, well, one day I'll figure it out because you wouldn't treat your financial investments that way, right? Hone in on those four things. Control your preparation, control your effort, control your attitude, and control your level of aggressive. Control, control lets you choose to be aggressive.
0: Yeah, I love that. Focusing on what you can control is really just so important. I think so many people have the opposite. They kind of just focus on what's not in their control and allow that to get in their head versus putting their time and energy into the things that are in their control and then allowing that to build their confidence and their self-trust. Because everyone says that though. Diligence.
1: Everyone says, like everyone says, focus on what you can control. The problem is they don't really know what they can control. Yeah. That's the thing. Is that like, hey, control your controllables. We've heard that stuff our whole life. Mm-hmm. They don't really know what are the controllables, my yeah. preparation, my effort, my attitude, my aggressiveness, like my what, my my this, my that, my another, like, what does effort mean? Boom, 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 boom. What does attitude mean? Boom, 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 boom. So like, you know, we, we will do performance evaluations with athletes and it's mapped out with preparation. Yes. No questions. Effort. Yes. No questions. Attitude. Yes. No questions. When you learn the process, the outcomes take care of themselves. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I love that. Beautiful. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Literally. This was golden. Thank you. I am Everything was just so aligned with what I teach, and it's just so beautiful to get a different perspective and to hear your passion behind it too. Of Thanks. course, how can people connect with you? What's the best way you like people to connect with you?
1: Easiest Comment way is you do. Show Notes. Yeah, usually everything uh, easiest way to connect with me is Instagram, uh, uh, Mindset underscore Mike. Uh, obviously, you you can follow Wrestling Mindset as well. Um, you know, we post similar but obviously different content and. You know, the, the uh, Instagram is a good way. You can email me, Mike at wrestlingmindset.com. I definitely will respond to Instagram quicker. And then, you know, obviously, Facebook, you could search the same thing. Just make sure you find my personal page, not my uh, like business account. So that's definitely the best way to catch up with me.
0: Amazing. Guys, if you love this episode, I would love for you to post on social media. One of your biggest takeaways. I know there should be at least 50. So make sure you post and tag us at Body by Boss LLC and tag Mindset Mike so we can kind of just celebrate and see what, you know, you took away. There's so much for you to also integrate right away, which is really cool. There's a lot of actionable steps in this episode. So, you know, as always, don't just listen and learn, integrate. That's how you're actually going to create change in your life. And the last thing I wanted to say is that goes hand in hand with this. And this was a perfect timing is I'm actually hosting a competition mindset masterclass, August 19th from six to eight central time. So six to 8 PM central time it's 33 bucks lifetime access to the recording. So if you're interested in that, let me know. The link will also be in the show notes to register. And that is this, this episode and that masterclass is in perfect timing for the upcoming world championships that I'll be a part of master worlds. There's no Gee Pan Ams. There's lots of competitions coming up. So this is definitely something that you do not want to miss out. I'll make sure that you share this episode with friends, family, because everyone can benefit from this. And thank you again, Mike, so much for coming on here and spending your time with sure. us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.